You're listening to Campus Review Radio. This is uh, Wesley King talking to uh, Gail McDonald, a postgraduate research student at the Education Faculty, James Cook University, and we're talking today about her research regarding programs offering assistance for Defence Force children and their families, also known as Defence School Transition Aid Programs. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today, Gail. Pleasure. So what is the DSTA program and how long has it been up and running for? Um, the Defence School Transition Aid Program is a, a national program uh, that supports students from Australian Defence Force families, particularly when they're moving around the country, as they do every three years or so, uh, helping them to settle into their new schools and become integrated as part of the school community. Right. And, and in turn, at the end of the to stay to transition out of that school uh, and prepare them to move on to a new school. Uh, And the other main area of their function is to support students when they have a parent on military deployment. And that's the area that I'm researching. And the program has been in place nationally since 2001. And so what have been some of the key aspects of your research and, um, and your findings? Well, uh, what I have been particularly looking at is how the Defence School Transition Aid Program supports students during that per- period of deployment. Right. Because uh, initially the Defence School Transition Aid Program was put in place to support students with their mobility needs. Right. But because... It was implemented at a time when Australia was already serving in East Timor and shortly afterwards would start deployments to the Middle East. Uh, It was fairly natural that when schools had someone on their staff who was an expert in the Australian Defence Force lifestyle, they would uh, call on those people to support students and families when they had a family member deployed. Right. So uh, these uh, came out, and we did a 2007 review of the whole program, and it came out quite clearly that deployment was a significant issue where uh, families felt they needed additional support for their children. Right. So at that stage, uh, deployment support was added to the list of DSTA's duties But also at that stage, there was very little international research available to guide uh, DSTAs on how to conduct that that support for students. So they obviously, uh, they they used a lot of the strategies they were already using for mobility. But then since then, they've uh, expanded their repertoire, so to speak, to include a lot of other strategies. And... uh, we had to find out, or I wanted to find out, what was it that made the program so successful in supporting students when they had a parent deployed. Right. We knew from uh, research, our own evaluations, that the program uh, was very well regarded by parents and schools and by military commanders, but we really didn't uh, have the essence of the program of what made it so uh, successful in supporting students during parental deployment. Right. 
And so how can schools embed uh, DSTA programs into their curriculums and have um, DTMs be part of their staff? Well, I think what's happened over time is that the, the DTMs, of course, the Defence Transition Mentors, are yeah. uh, the Defence School Transition Aids working in secondary schools. And I think over time they have become more embedded into the student support structures in the school. Right. Now, here in Queensland, we have quite a, a few different uh, support people in the school to support students. We've got our guidance officers, but also we have school-based nurses, school-based police officers, our community education counsellors that work with our Indigenous students and year-level coordinators, heads of departments. So there's a lot of people uh, supporting the needs of, of students mm -hmm. and I think that the DTMs fit quite neatly into to that area. But, of course, they bring their own unique uh, perspective and understanding to the support team. Right. So they uh, usually will have connections with the local military base. Okay. So they may have opportunities to include um, military personnel in their in presentations to the school right. or displays of military equipment and um, vehicles for the school. Or in Townsville, the, uh, we have a, a brass band that is available to go out and support schools. They, okay. it, they're, they're special functions. Right. So, but also the, the DTMs and DSTAs are very proactive in what they do. Okay. So they may have particular projects. For example, Anzac Day is often celebrated with um, art and writing competitions. Right. Or the whole school might all contribute to care packages that are then sent over to, to ADF members deployed overseas, oh. that sort of oh, thing. So they bring their own unique flavour to the school, to the school um, coming because they're so familiar with the ADF culture. Right. And uh, what issues can students with parents deployed for active military service actually experience um, that may require uh, mentoring? Well, look... Um, an actual deployment itself presents a lot of challenges for families and students. Right. And each different stage of the deployment uh, presents different challenges, really. For example, even before the ADF members are deployed, that few weeks before deployment, what's called a pre-deployment stage, can be very disruptive for a family because the ADF members uh, have a huge number of demands on them in terms of pre-deployment training right. and preparation for the deployment. And also, of course, in an emotional sense, gradually the, uh, they're preparing themselves emotionally. Mm. So withdrawing a little bit more from the family and um, getting themselves into the zone in readiness for going on what is a major, it's going to be a major aspect of their yeah. lives for several months. Absolutely. So the, the pre-deployment stage in itself is quite disruptive. Mm. And then, of course, once they leave, the family is transitioning from a two-parent family to a one-parent family. Mm. Now, any major transition like that in a family um, takes a little while to adjust. So, it, you know, over a period of several weeks, the family will be gradually adjusting and 
what happens is, you know, routines change, the roles that uh, the children take in the family often change, particularly for older children. They're required to pick up a lot more of the adult-type responsibilities in the family. And, you know, as the deployment goes on, of course, it's just that endurance of, you know, just getting through that time. You know, kids, after a while, they'll get very sick of it. And also, for, in the, for a lot of deployments, the member will be granted a few days' mid-deployment leave, mm. which, of course, is looked on with great excitement by the family. Mm. But then over, after only a few days, the ADF member is has to leave again. Right. So particularly for younger children, mm. they will relive all that grief of losing their parent when sure. they've just got them back. So that's kept me quite a difficult time. Often mm. for younger children, that can be more difficult than the initial departure. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as time goes on, the family manages very well without their deployed member. Mm. You know, they get into their own routines and 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 cope. Mm. And then when he comes home, it's a massive change again. I say he, it's not always he, right. but often it is. Um when the ADF member comes home, there's a huge readjustment, again, to go from a one-parent family where one set of routines work to another set of uh, routines to re-establish, again, as a, a united family. Mm. And that, that can often be particularly harder for older children because they've often um, gained a lot of autonomy during that time. Yeah. They've, they've helped out at home. They may have extra freedom. And um, suddenly the deployed parents coming back and remembers those young people as they were several months before when they left. Sure. And, um, you know, it's just all that renegotiation yeah. that has to go on within families. Yeah. So the whole deployment cycle itself uh, presents lots of different issues. Yeah. But then, of course, you've got each child is an individual and their responses are, are quite different simply because they are individual, mm. but also at different stages. They have different levels of understanding, um, different coping strategies. So, and also, you know, you've got um, certain events while the parent is away. Right. For example, it might be a birthday or a Christmas or a school graduation, something like that, that the parent's missing. And that's, uh, that can be very hard on children right. because one of their major support people is not there at home to support them mm. with, uh, with what's happening in their lives, but also to be there to comfort them right. when they're, they're feeling you know, a bit distressed about the whole thing. Sure. So for most children, you find they just are a bit unsettled. They're just not quite themselves. Right. And of course, that can often result in um, being distracted at school. So you might find there are times when the children just aren't as focused on their schoolwork as they could be. Mm. And of course that has potential implications for their, um, you know, for the whole education engagement and so on at mm. that time. Right. And, and so, so what, you know, uh, there's quite, quite a few challenges there for, for students of all ages. Right. And what types of assistance... Um, 
finally, can a DSTA program facilitate for students and their families? Well, I think one of the most important things is that the DSTA program is now established as a national program. Mm. So that gives parents a lot of security in knowing that when they have to move around the country or when there's a major change, such as a military deployment, then um, there's someone in the school that has that cultural understanding of what the family's going through, what the children uh, are experiencing. And so they can, um, they can provide specific targeted support at different stages. So, for example, often before the deployment actually happens, um, DSTAs will often talk to the, the student about how they can um, look after themselves during the deployment. They'll talk about what their particular interests are, what they like to do, and, and help them to, to plan ahead and set up uh, activities that they will be engaged in while their parents are away. And also they talk about how they're going to communicate with their parent because it's very important um, to keep up that communication amongst the family and, and keep the deployed parent included very much as part of the family throughout the whole deployment period. And um, can you think of any, um, finally, can you think of any case studies where um, the program has worked well, like any, any kind of um, uh, s- small little an- anecdotes of, you know... Uh, okay, well, look, I can think of, of one young lad. Mm-hmm. He was about 12. Yeah. I'll call him Lachlan, um, which is a pseudonym. But he was about 12. He did have special needs. Yeah. And he was a bit bouncy in the classroom probably a bit annoying um, for the other children, really, out of his seat a lot, um, being a bit disruptive. And uh, his parents were quite concerned. His his father had been on a couple of deployments already. They were a bit concerned about how he would cope. So the DSTA at the school asked the father if he would take the school bear, which is a teddy bear dressed in military uniform, uh, on the deployment with him which he was happy to do. Right. And during that period, he uh, regularly, like monthly, sent over letters to the class mm. um, to tell them what was happening to the bear. And the bear oh. went out on all the exercises with mm. the father. Sure. Um, and so he took lots of photos of the bear uh-huh. doing uh, military exercises with the other members. And each month, Lachlan, and he had lots of photos from his that his father sent back right. so he could see the, the children could see the bear in a bob crater site so right. they could see oh. well these um, soldiers had det- um, detonated that um, bomb so that that was no longer going to injure any children in uh, in the country or in the vicinity right. oh. and they also, um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought because my phone, <laughs> other phone just rang. Can I just keep going? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it was quite enlightening for the other children because um, they 
initially they had no idea what was going on. Like they said, well, what's, that? what's Afghanistan? What's he even doing there? Mm. And so, um, you know, they, they were quite um, really ignorant of, of what was going on and that children in their classroom had parents going to Afghanistan. So that was all explained. And then once they got the hang of it, they were, you know, eventually able to say, okay, we know what your dad does. And they thought that was um, pretty amazing uh, stuff. And even a lot of the parents, uh, sorry, the teachers on the staff were saying things like, oh, we didn't know kids in our school had parents that did stuff like that. Oh, that might be a bit hard for the family. So there was sort of awakening in some of the staff members as well sure. to, to yeah. grasp some uh, idea of what was actually happening. Um, for these families and uh, all the photos were put up as a display in the library so right. families could go uh, children and families and teachers could go and look at them right. and uh, get an idea of what it was like for these children 